0: Let's pray together. God, we do thank you for the joy that we have of being called your people. Not because of things that we have done, not because of really how we live. We've certainly not deserved your grace and your love. And yet, in your compassion on our sinful state, you sent your Son to meet us in our area of deepest need. So God, we just thank you and praise you for that. And we pray, Lord, over these next few moments as we open your word together, we ask that you would speak by the truth of your word. Lord, illumine our minds and our hearts by your spirit that we might understand those areas where, where we need to adjust, where we need to change and bring into alignment those things that are out of alignment with you. God, help us, I pray, over these next few minutes. In Christ's name, amen, amen. Whom do you trust? Whom can you really trust? No one. Well, according to a Gallup poll... There is one profession that has been the number one ranking profession for most trusted individuals for 19 years and running. And that is nurses. Nurses are the most trusted profession in North America or in, in America. Right behind them are doctors, grade school teachers, pharmacists, police officers. Now, looking at the bottom, on the bottom of the list, who are the least Trusted people at the very bottom, you guessed it, members of Congress, car salespeople are just slightly above them, advertisers, business executives, lawyers. Do you notice who didn't make the top five or the bottom five? Pastors. We're somewhere in the middle. I guess I still have some work to do. But the people or organizations in whom we place our trust, they often do something to demonstrate that they are worthy of that trust. Obviously, nurses provide amazing care when we are in need and they sit with us at our bedside. They give us the medicine we we need. They give us various things to help us heal. And so that's why they've they've engendered a lot of trust among most people. Banks want to prove that they'll keep our money secure, right? Airlines tout their safety records and their timeliness. They want to make sure not only are they going to get you there safely, but they're generally going to get you there on time, especially now that they're allowed to fly again. Construction companies and manufacturers often have running totals of the number of days without a problem in order to to engender confidence in their employees that it's going to be a safe work environment and engender confidence in their investors that they're investing in a good company. And so today, as we come to the book of uh, of, uh, not book, (laughs) we've been in books for so long. As we come to Psalm 146, what we see is that Psalm 146 is really reminding worshipers that God is trustworthy, that God is worthy to be trusted. Just like an airline might tout their trustworthiness, a nurse might say might engender her or his trustworthiness. God, in, the, in this psalm, we get to see the trustworthiness of God. And so today we're going to begin a short series of sermons on the book of Psalms, on the last five books. We're calling it the Summer Psalter, which is a, a name I'm, I'm borrowing from um, Thabiti Anyabwile's church, Anacostia River Church in D.C. And so over the next five weeks, Andrew and I are going to look at these last five psalms as we think through what they mean in our lives, what they're communicating and, and how we can how we can worship God better through them. And and so before diving into the Psalm, let me just kind of give us an overview of the book of Psalms. We already did that about a year ago in in thinking through the book of Psalms. But if you remember, the book of Psalms is divided into five Big chunks there. If you've read through the Bible, you know, if you read through Psalms, you'll you'll get to certain places and they'll say book one, book two, book three, book four, book five. And at the end of each of these Psalms and of each of these mini books, if you will, there's a, a, a sort of a benediction. There's a verse or a, a series of verses that sort of become the amen. So the book one finishes after uh, at the, the last verse of Psalm forty one basically says, this is the amen. This is what God is doing. We get the same thing after Psalm 72. And again, after Psalm 89 and Psalm 106, Well, the last book, the last, the fifth book of Psalms really encapsulates Psalm 107 through 150. And so these last five Psalms that we're looking at over the next few weeks, Psalm 146 to 150 really become the amen, 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 and amen for the entire book of psalms it sort of becomes the the cherry on the top if you will as as the as the psalmist reflect on all that they've sung all that they've all that they've spoken in regard to god and his faithfulness some people say the fivefold division of, of psalms is sort of a a nod back to the pentateuch back to the fivefold books of genesis exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy and so these, five, these last five psalms become the grand finale of the Psalter. But if we could summarize the message of Psalm 146 in one little phrase, we might say it this way. Whom we praise reflects whom we trust. Or to put it in another way, whom we trust reflects whom we praise. Whom we trust exemplifies whom we praise. And so far over the course of the service, we, we've read most of the book of most of this chapter. And so we're going to look at the entirety of it. But let me just kind of give us a little feel of the overview of, of Psalm 146, because it begins with a call to praise Yahweh. It begins with this call to, to exalt God. This is the name. Yahweh is the name that God identified himself to Moses. He, he, he introduced himself to Moses. I am. He used Yahweh as his name. And then the psalmist then confesses that he will praise Yahweh as long as he lives. He then moves into a brief admonition not to place our trust in earthly rulers. Some translations say powerful people or nobles or princes. Because they don't have the ability to permanently save and ultimately their plans die with them. We see that in verses 3 and 4. And then in verses 5 through 10, which we read just a few moments ago, the psalmist pronounces a blessing on the one who trusts in God, acknowledging that God is the source of all that exists, that he sees the weak and the disadvantaged, and he acts accordingly, acts according to their needs in their lives. The psalmist also reflects on the permanence of God, where earthly rulers are temporary, Yahweh is eternal. And in some ways, the psalm, while being an act of praise, is an argument touting the trustworthiness of God over powerful people, as the, as the New Living Translation translates it. But let's think, before we dive into it, let's think just for a moment about this name, Yahweh. Why would the psalmist use Yahweh here when he's got all these other choices, all these other options of names? You see, Yahweh is a special name that God used to express who he is. When he introduced himself to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he used the name God Almighty or El Shaddai. But when God entered into a covenant with Moses and with the people of Israel, he identified himself as Yahweh. And by the way, as you're reading, if you're reading most English translations, if, when you come across the word Lord, capital L, little capital O-R-D, that is the, the Hebrew word Yahweh put into English. Sometimes they'll actually write Yahweh. Sometimes they'll, they'll just do it that way. But capital L with small caps O-R-D is how most of our English translations use that name, how they represent it. But you see, God has many names. El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And yet this one, Yahweh, is the one that he chose to, to identify himself to his people in covenant. One of the commentators notes that evangelical scholars insist that the Bible clearly states that God employs names to reveal himself. No one name God employs states all that can be said about God himself in fact all the names taken together do not reveal all that God is and then they, he goes on to say that Yahweh then is the name par excellence of Israel's God as Yahweh he is a faithful covenant God who having given his word of love and life keeps that word by bestowing love and life abundantly on his own Yahweh is not a name that humans gave to God, but rather it's a name that God gave to humans to say, this is who I am. And so in this psalm, it is Yahweh, it is this covenantal name of God that we praise. It is Yahweh in whom we trust. So let's consider this comparison that the psalmist lays out between Yahweh and and powerful people. And if you want to follow along in your outline, this is the place where the blanks begin. You see, what we find is that Yahweh is the creator and powerful people, as powerful as they are, are just the created. The psalmist makes it clear that those who put their trust in God put their trust in a worthy place. Psalm 146 verses 5 and 6 says, But joyful are those who who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. You see God is the source of all life. He is the one who spoke all of creation into existence. He is the one who initiates and sustains all of life, even the lives of powerful people. You see there's this clear temptation I think that we have to look to people who have authority, look to people who have power, look to people who have influence and think ah, oh, that's the person I want to follow. They have positions of authority. We can see them, we can hear them, we can watch their works, but, but, but the psalmist is reminding us that no matter how good or benevolent, eventually every leader on earth Will be a disappointment. The plans of every leader on earth are going to die with him or her. Yahweh, being the source of all life, is the original creator. He is the creator of those who get to create other things. So when it comes to the challenges of this world, are we trusting in the created? Or are we truly trusting in the creator? Which brings us to the next line of thought within this psalm. And that Yahweh's salvation is clear. But the the salvation of powerful people is deceptive and temporary. If we were to think back over even just the last couple of years. We could see that human solutions are often fatally flawed. You know every time politics comes around they want to. They want to tout a new solution to address some social problem. And they don't not realizing that that solution is causing other problems along the way. For instance, in response to the tragic death of George Floyd last year and the deaths of many other black citizens at the hands of police officers, there was a a call. A lot of people were saying, hey, we need to defund the police. They were making cries out saying, if we just get rid of that'll be no problem. They felt that these powerful people had too much power and needed to be handcuffed. And I think as noble as that call may have been, the outcome people realized would be unsustainable. Fallen people in powerful places make mistakes. And we, have to, we see that at every level of government. We see that at every level of society. But I think ultimately the anarchy that would ensue... Defunding the police is likely far worse than the problems that exist now. So that human solution is not really solving the problem. It's just scratching an itch for a time. You see, powerful people often use bullying tactics to solve problems. They'll take from one person and give to another. They'll permanently enslave a segment of the population by providing handouts in order to keep themselves in power. There are also people who will pass laws that promote personal responsibility without true concern over people who truly need help. Powerful people have a tendency to do what's expedient rather than what is efficacious or for the greater good. They may promise one thing, but then go back on their promise. We've seen this time and again. In fact, one of the first elections I got to vote in was for George Herbert Walker Bush. And you remember, if you were around then, you may remember his famous words, read my lips, no new taxes. And what happened? They had to raise taxes. They always go back on their promises because ultimately other forces are at play and there are things that they just can't fulfill. The the solutions of powerful people last for a time, but then they wane and find themselves in the midst of unintended consequences. But Yahweh, but Yahweh, and this is, look at what it says in verses seven through nine. Yahweh who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food for the hungry. Yahweh sets prisoners free. Yahweh opens the eyes of the blind. Yahweh raises up those bowed down. Yahweh loves the righteous. Yahweh protects the strangers. Yahweh helps the orphan and the widow. But the way of the wicked he thwarts. Now we can look at that. We think, oh yeah, God is on my side. I'm, I'm oppressed. God has got my back. He's with me. And yet we, it wouldn't take long for us to begin to talk about faithful people. People who have followed the Lord. People who have believed People who have been baptized just like Jordan talked about a few minutes ago. Who are oppressed, who are hungry, who are wrongfully imprisoned, who are blind, who are humiliated. So what is the psalmist really getting at? Is Yahweh sufficient to to see people through those circumstances? And I, I wish I fully understand why suffering, why those challenges are in the mix of God's will. For his people from time to time. Somehow God is glorified. Sometimes, Somehow God uses the, the suffering that his people endure. To be a means of drawing others to him. But when you consider the context. Yahweh this covenant keeping God of Israel. Ultimately freed them from the oppression in Egypt and Babylon. He built in systems as a means of addressing poverty by calling his people to be generous to those who who have nothing he called farmers he said don't plow all the way to the edge of your field leave some for the traveler for the sojourner for those who have nothing in the original covenant he provided as a means he provided a means for people to be fairly tried he was looking out for justice for those who might be wrongfully imprisoned, wrongfully accused, who would go without. But even as we look to the New Testament, we can see God calling his people to care for orphans and widows. To meet the needs of the poor. And ultimately, because the entire church, upon coming to faith, became strangers and exiles in their own land. Remember, when they became Christians, it was unlawful. It was illegal for them to believe God the way that they did. God's heart was for them. He cared for them and he encouraged them to care for one another in community, in that community that we call the church. So we can have this confidence that because Yahweh's timing is not ours, that in eternity there will be a vindication for the oppressed, for the hungry, for the wrongfully imprisoned, for the blind, for the humiliated, for the orphan, and for the widow. But I think we also have to recognize that as God's covenant people now, we get to display God's covenant grace among people, among the imprisoned, among the hungry. We get to look out for them. For those of us who find ourselves in any of those categories, we can find encouragement that that Yahweh's people should be fulfilling Yahweh's execution of justice now. And that ultimately, Yahweh will have the final say. So for us, I want to encourage us to press on and remain faithful. Trust Him because He is trustworthy. Not only in the moment, but as we see in the next section, Yahweh's, Yahweh reigns forever. But we have to recognize that powerful people reign only as long as they are alive. Here in America, we get to experience that changeover of power from one group of people to another, from one party to another, from one leader to another every so many years. Two, if it's Congress or six, if if it's the Senate or four, if it's the presidency. But... People in other countries and other contexts who live under, under uh, monarchies or people who live under dictatorships, they don't get to see that. They feel like it's this never-ending process. It's this never-ending reign of terror or benevolence. Incidentally, for some reason, even though we became free from England, we have a, a fascination with England. But I, I found out this week that the Queen of England, she's, she's now been on the throne for 69 years and counting. Did you know that she is the fifth longest reigning monarch in history? There are four more people who've reigned longer than she has. And she'll have to live another 20 years almost, to catch up with the longest one. He became a king when he was like six months old. So I don't know if that really counts. I don't know. Could you guys imagine King George? <laughs> But what we have to recognize is that every leader's influence will only last for a while. But Yahweh's reign is eternal. We can have a long-term confidence in the reign of God. Psalm 146.10 says, Yahweh will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, throughout all generations. Yahweh's reign on earth through his people, has expanded beyond all geopolitical boundaries. What began with the weakest of nations. In fact, God even says, I didn't choose you because you were strong. I chose you because you were weak. So what began with the people of Israel, small group of people. And then what Jesus did with this ragtag group of followers, 12 men, uneducated, ambitious in a whole variety of different ways. They have turned the world upside down. So what started with those small groups of people now is a people of over 2 billion on the face of this world. In every nation, in every part of the world, nations will come and go, but Yahweh's reign will surpass and outlast them all. And so because Yahweh is the creator, his salvation is clear, his reign is eternal, (coughs) excuse me. The psalmist seems to be leading us to conclude that therefore we should praise and trust Yahweh. We should praise and trust Yahweh because Yahweh is the God he is. He is the one and only worthy object of our praise and our trust. We can confidently entrust our lives and our eternity to him and we get to demonstrate that through through a life of praise. Warren Wiersbe in his commentary on this writes to live a life of praise is to overcome criticism, and complaining to stop competing against others and comparing ourselves with them. It means to be grateful in and for everything and really believe that God is working all things together for our good. One of the things that we discussed this week at our camp with the kids is is the, the idea that Jesus ushered in a different way. He ushered in a different kind of kingdom. And what, what Jordan called with the kids an upside down kingdom. Because it, it's a kingdom that, um, that is so antithetical to the world around us. That it feels like it's upside down and almost backwards. And so as it relates to Psalm 146. We get to think about trusting God by living according to his ways. Choosing meekness over strength, choosing generosity over selfishness, choosing to help rather than to hurt. And so, beloved brother and sister in Christ, I want to ask you, how is your confidence in Yahweh? When you sing praises to him, are you going through the motions or is your praise fueled by the reality of who he is? He is your creator He sees you at your greatest, but he also sees you in your moment of greatest need. He knows what needs to be done and will accomplish it. Will accomplish his will in and through us. Are we trusting him through that? So will you and I remain faithful to him? Will we praise him through the good times and through the difficulties? Will we remain faithful? more confident in the plans of God than in the plans of powerful people. But I want to ask you too, if you're not yet a follower of Christ, let me encourage you to consider whom are you trusting? Are you placing your trust in political parties or in social movements? Are you entrusting the outcome of your life to the latest fads and trends? i got to tell you, it is so hard to keep up with what is trending. Have you given any thought to the eternal nature of your soul? Are you entrusting eternity to a pile of works or to the one who sees the end from the beginning? The one who began it all, the one who, as we saw last week in Revelation, will ultimately end it all. Let me encourage you to put your trust and your praise in God, beginning with admitting your need to address your sin. Your trust in what Jesus did on the cross, taking your sin on his body and paying for it for eternity. You see, it is in our sin where we are the most poor, the most despondent. Without hope outside of Jesus, it is in our sin where we are spiritually orphaned and hungry. It's in our sin that leaves us imprisoned in an eternal prison. And our only hope of freedom is in God through Jesus Christ. And so if you've not yet trusted in him, trust in him today. I'd love to have a conversation with you about that. We can certainly do that this week, but trust in him. Let me just read the psalm briefly one more time. Praise the Lord, or Yahweh. Praise Yahweh, O my soul. I praise Yahweh as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation, When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God, who made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry, The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourner. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. God, we do thank you and praise you for being the great God that you are. Lord, you are the one who is truly worthy to be praised, worthy to be trusted, worthy to be honored. And so, God, I pray that you would help us in the way that we live to demonstrate our trust of you. Lord, let us praise you not just with our songs on Sunday morning, but God, may we praise you with our very lives as demonstrated by how we trust you. Help us to walk faithfully before you. Be glorified through us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.